0: This happen I have like six packages three, well, two envelopes and four cardboardy boxes, a couple thin ones, one medium size, one big. I just accumulate stuff, so I guess I gotta open it. And you're here to help or listen, so let's go. I got this first envelope from um, Stefan Surat, who I interviewed uh, several weeks ago. He writes or has written stuff for Weird Frontiers. Uh, I think it's Dragon Is it Dragon Peak Publishing, I believe is his company. That was a really good interview, and we want to have him, I think, on a future episode of Cerebibor. Um So let's see what he sent. It is an envelope, so it's really easy to tear open. Oh, very nice. Oh, well, that's very cool. Thanks, Stefan. If you listen, he sent me a copy of his module, this dual module for weird frontiers the brimstone cradle and the hills that hunger nice i guess i will run them i've been wanting to run like a weird frontier for some of my guys um so oh wow i love really nice maps and handouts there um Stefan. love the production value i also love so i really appreciate that you kind of did it in the dcc format where the print is big and it's two columns I can read this without my readers. It's very nice. Uh, it really looks pretty neat. Um, it should be fun. Brimstone Cradle and the Hills That Hunger. So Brimstone Cradle is a Christmassy adventure, and the Hills That Hunger is um about kind of is around a mine. The uh, great fire lit up the darkness. Sheriff found tracks in the hills. Go find out what happened. So Hills That Hunger is level zero to one. And the Christmas one, the Brimstone Cradle is level two. And the Brimstone Cradle is kind of like, you roll up um, and you find a shelter and you got to survive the night in that shelter because weird shit happens. All right, well, that's very nice. Thanks, Stefan, again uh, for the Weird Frontiers DCC RPG Brimstone Cradle and Hills That Hunger print copying. Thanks a lot, that's awesome. Alright, the next one is another envelope from Paizo. Probably part of the Adventure Path that I am. I'm like a legacy subscriber. I've been subscribing to Paizo Adventure Path since I started, with, way back with Rise of the Rune Lords, which I love to run one of these days to its completion. I did run it as a play-by-post um, some time ago, and I did try to run it live. I ran it as a play-by-post and we got through the first two books actually a play by post which is pretty impressive I think we kind of got mired in the beginning of the second book Um, and then when I tried to do it live I just got to the end of the first book and we never really finished but uh, here this is for Bloodlord's Adventure Path Graveclaw that's the second in the Adventure Path so um, yeah it looks pretty interesting I don't recognize where this oh it's taking place in Geb so in the southern continent um, it looks like in Graveclaw, uh, just Rise of the Bloodlords. The Troubleshooters, I guess that's the PCs, seek out a hag coven, pulling the strings of a poisonous plot from Shadow Forest to Undersea Communities between rusted-out factories and university lecture halls. The characters must investigate trails of misery and fear or end up stewing in the hag's cauldron. Bloodlords' adventure path continues with Graveclaw, complete adventure for four, levels 4-7. to seven. They already have it on Fantasy Grounds. I saw um, a do Get the PDFs, and I do get a discount on Fantasy Ground. So if I run it, uh, it, it's hard. I feel like it's hard to get Pathfinder stuff for my um, live crew, but for the you guys who are listening and are on the um, I guess my it's not beat my the VTT crew, I don't know the guys I play with all over the world who I uh, can't meet live with, but we play a lot of games. Yeah, we've been playing Abomination Vaults. We actually finished, um, they cleared out level three. So we're almost, we're, I guess, a little more than three quarters of the way done with uh, the adventure. Uh, They're going to go down to level four, but I feel like it's not as packed uh, looking at it. So I don't think it'll take as long and they will solve some mysteries that um, that they found. They actually found a very, some very interesting esoterica, and uh, documentation left by the big bad, and uh, they found an artifact. They, they did. They, in the, in Abomination Vaults in the first adventure, there is an artifact, and they found it. So we'll see what they do with it. It is a very powerful book, but it does have a curse. So um, so we'll see if they uh, they can, they use it. Maybe with the uh, maybe Doctor Eleazar, who's played by B J Boyd of the Arcane Alienist. Now that he has a staff of the Necromancer, he will have in one hand his staff, and in the other hand the book called The Whispering Reads. So, um, yeah, it's pretty neat. But this Graveclaw looks pretty cool. It does look pretty cool. Um, it's in a place where they haven't really put an adventure path before, Paizo. So, um, one of these days, I mean, I love the Alkinstar stuff. So that looks pretty cool, too. And it seems like, it, see, it's, it's calling them investigators. It looks like um, Paizo Golarian has gone you know, kind of more um, kind of Renaissancey in their thinking and putting together a group of adventurers who problem solve as well as delve into dungeons um, that seem to be the case for the agents of Edgewatch, which they play, you know, police who are a police force who is associated with the city of Absalom, for example. Then they had like a group of Carnies in the Extinction Curse. So they're putting, uh, I think, they're always thinking and innovating on how to get a group of adventurers together and what kind of context to put them in, right? The Alkenstar one, I mean, the, the abomination vault is pretty traditional. You start in a small town, there's a ruin nearby. Let's go investigate it because it's really uh, important to the survival of the town to investigate and stop all the, the monsters that come out of it. Um, but, uh, other ones like the Alkenstar is a very wild westy. This one seems kind of, you know, uh, east african inspired so um yeah we'll see uh we'll see how that goes um next one is a box all right the box it is um about a half an inch wide and it is like 11 by no, yeah about 11 by 17 the envelope it is from lightning source so you know it means drive So what did i order from drive through that i just don't remember what i ordered and man i haven't had i haven't been able to use the new uh thing because these are easy to open relatively I don't have to use a much more bopper oh very cool this is from a Kickstarter um, a Kickstarter run by uh, BRW Games and this is Adventures Dark and Deep Swords of Cthulhu by Joseph Block Uh, it actually prompted me to look for Adventures Dark and Deep um, drive-through and get like a they had like a free they had the base set free but this is pretty cool. I, I really like it when I look through the, um, it's very evocative of old school d and and Swords of Cthulhu would be, you know, adding deep one hybrids to your, your AD&D type game. Um, the cultist is a character class. Um, so pretty, pretty, the art is very old school in sensibility. Big uh, picture of, rich, of a bunch of cultists summoning an aspect of Cthulhu. Um, so, they really do have a lot of new spells, new skills. Uh, so, most of, a lot of it is, of course, spells. It seems to be typical in a player's type handbook. Um, they talk about sanity and insanity and lots of tables. New monsters uh, done for a D&D. They do have Shoggoth in here. So, we do have another AD&D style Shoggoth. So, pretty cool. Um, hmm let me see what does it say hit dice hit dice is 12d12 so up to 144 hit points I guess um armor class one two attacks nothing super special oh special defenses and attacks below um let me see the shoggoth nope doesn't say masters of mental powers Special, no special defensive, but they have a special attack, and no weaknesses. Interesting. Maybe they forgot the special attack because I don't see it in there. What is a special attack? Just gives a description of them. That's weird. Maybe five percent are. Um, Five percent are intelligent. That's it. It's kind of weird. Um, anyway, Shaka Stone seems very, very nasty in there. But there's plenty of other things that are nasty in here. So magic items too, related to uh, Call of Cthulhu. I saw something about Elder Sign. And they do have the great, some great old ones in here as well. Um, yeah, Demigods, deities, Demigods, and dwellers in the deep. So they have Ashtoth, Cthulhu, Dagon, etc., etc. Looks like they're easy to hit, but probably difficult to deal with. But even even tip here is AC two, four hundred hit points. Mm. Uh, Shub Niggurath, S- Yig are all in here. Yog satha Pretty cool. Lots of random tables. So it's pretty nice. I think it's a pretty nice little book. Um, Clocks in at about 120. Looks like about 127 pages. Let me see the last bit of text. 128 pages. So there it is Adventures Dark and Deep Swords of Cthulhu. Uh, New characters, new character classes, races, spells, monsters, and more for your old school game. Your Adventures, Dark and Deep, which is you know AD&D, pretty pretty smooth slick there. But I haven't really checked out the rule system. Um, they have a lot of different kind of AD&D classes. I think he went back through the you know looking at the if you remember from the old days, Dragon used to have these NPC classes, but I know that the Adventures, Dark and Deep went through and kind of codified them for this rule set. All right, next one. I'll go the next kind of envelope-y thing, um, this one is from, It says international priority from the fulfillment team Games Quest, uh, it is also about a half an inch thick, um, it's kind of like just two slats put together, it's about, um, also about 11 by, but this time about 11 by like 20 or so, so this one I might, I will have to use my, uh, box cutter, which is super sharp, super sharp, actually. So don't cut towards me. I cut my leg off. All right. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. This is from uh, Modiphius. Uh, It's a fulfillment from a Kickstarter fulfillment from ages ago for infinity. And yes, it is the... Archeron Cascade book, It is a campaign book for Infinity, which is pretty cool. You know what? I got a copy of this at my um, local gaming store, Dragon's Lair, so I prop- this is an extra which might be coming to a contest near you for a sci-fi game, because it's a double. Or maybe I will send it up to Kevin Madison um, for part of his raffle group for Infinity. I don't know. That's curious. I'll put the cardboard around it to let me know. Maybe put it back in the uh, bubble wrap. But I'm not going to go through it. Well, I guess I could go through it. I don't feel like I should go through it. Um, But it is a campaign book for infinity. Um, And actually, go look for it because it's out in print now. After a few years, I would say, after the Kickstarter. Like I said, some of these early Kickstarters that Modiphius did... For Conan and for um, Infinity, there's so many, um, what is called, not add-ons, but stretch goals that they hit, that they just are still trying to fulfill them, which is kind of weird. All right, the next one I'll go next is the, uh, it's a heavier box, also from Lightning Source. Huh, else did I order from Lightning Source? Anyway, it's from Lightning Source. Um it is a thicker box, it's about uh, an inch and a half and then eleven by seventeen. Um I think I will use box cutter for this. This makes it a little easier to break open. I thought it would be. Oh wow, okay. This is also a Kickstarter for filming um that they did through drive-thru. And this is for all the Cepheus deluxe stuff. This is like a lot of kind of zine styles. This is a one, two, two zine style books, Cepheus Adam, um, which is lightweight role-playing game, kind of post-apocalyptic, the bomb fell, uh, using the Cepheus engine for like a post-apocalyptic, basic rules and creation, what do you got in here? Common equipment, contamination. Yeah, it's so like a post-apocalyptic game. Uh, they have I don't know what new careers they have for this? Uh, don't say, it's just about exploration in it. Contaminations and mutations. I guess you could incur mutations, random encounters, uh, relics, relic tables. So I guess if you did like a post-apocalyptic, using the Cepheus engine. The other one's Quantum Starfarer. That's the other little zany thing. And this one is. Um, Starships across lightweight sci-fi, um, for one-offs. So kind of starships, light starship type stuff. And then there's a larger books. Wow. Larger books. Uh, There's a hardback book, a thick book, and a, another, um, kind of paperback, two paperbacks. So the one paperback, the first one, no, a paperback like a normal size paperback and then two, no. normal uh, Two paperbacks, one is thicker than the other one. The first one is privacy and privateering. So how to do that. Um, It's a system neutral source book to help us start up space pirate campaign, which is pretty cool. The art is very uh, much like old school traveler type art, uh, classic traveler type art, but uh, pretty cool. And uh, just I don't see any. There's some tables and stuff, and then there's like what, what kind of crew you might have in the ship, random encounters, uh, how to make money as a space pirate, adventure seeds, kind of like a, um, either like you know 101 patrons or is it 1001 patrons or, or kind of something like that, like they do in Traveller. The next one is a Terra Arisen. So this is a space opera setting for Cepheus Deluxe. It introduces characters to the immediate aftermath of the ter- liberation war against the reticulant empire and its thralls. So, uh, pretty. This is a pretty thick book. It's about 200, 211 pages. My cat is trying to get into here. Um, this is a full-on um, campaign book for that setting, which seems pretty cool. I wonder if it has new. I was looking for new careers. If they do new, new careers, or you just use character generation. Let me see. Uh, character generation, aliens, Sisek or chisek humans, reticulans, vericulin hybrid, cethlanine and some some sort of reptilian zooth, so I guess it tells you what kind of you can use there's detailed new detailed careers, uh new careers, which is kind of cool um Imperial Huskall sounds cool. Reticulon noble hmm. so I guess you could play the bad guys in this one war events table. So pretty cool medals and decorations that you might have the art's pretty cool it's like a combination of black and white and color art um so it talks about the reticulant empire it's a really good primer uh for that and a way to run a campaign using cepheus in that and the last one is space patrol um complete rules for creating space patrol characters with detailed full detailed careers expanded event and mishap tables so So how to run, you know, run a spacers campaign and the missions of the Space Patrol and the organization. Deck plans that you might think uh, NPCs, most wanted, so definitely adventure seeds and a full on like a little adventure. So pretty cool. Well, so that is like all the stuff from Cepheus that I got from this Kickstarter goes in the pile. Last one is a box. From Studio Two Publishing, this is a full-on box, five inches deep by like 11 by 7 by 17 or so. From Studio Two Publishing, oh, it says Cobalt Press, probably the and Tide stuff. I appreciate that. I'll sell Kickstarter fulfillment. Like I guess all these Kickstarters are being fulfilled right now. Two books are in here, complete with bubble wrap. Let's see the first book is book of evan tides the plane of shadow exists behind the mortal world twisted reflection of the material plane where fey magic illusion and trickery are as potent as steel heroes can enter this otherly realm of fae shadows undead horrors and wild adventures but can they survive so fey details on the fair courts barefolk, folk yes ghoul shades and more 17 playable races and sub races including sable elves shadowborn, barefolk, and umbral humans 10 subclasses 17 gods of the shadow realms, 25 creatures, full color maps for exploration. Yeah, it's pretty thick. That's kind of cool. So it's pretty interesting, right? So there's now that how, you know, the talk of the one D&D and the new incarnation. And I remember there's a a big big concern towards the end of 3.5 of like the bloat and there's definitely a lot of material now for 5e, different worlds, uh, so many character choices and, and uh, character species that you can play, bioforms, however you call it, ancestries, um, but, um, but kind of cool. I would like to play bear folk. Bear folk sounds cool to me. Um, bear folk, I see a bear folk ranger, fun, fun. Bear folk in Midgard. So, this could be like a full on shadow campaign, I guess, is what you would want to do, maybe. Now, there are umbral humans. You could play human. Oh, I like these creatures. What are these? These are uh, ratatosk squirrel, little squirrel squirrel creatures. Arena, hedgehog, bipedal, hedgehog folk. That sounds fun. Raven folk. Uh, there's a snake, little reptilian type creature. Uh, Weird Gnomes, Uh, so pretty neat, interesting. I guess a different type of campaign for the Ebon, Book of the Ebon Tides. So kind of neat, I think, if you play in the Shadow Realm. And then Tales of the Shadows is the second book. It's a 192-page tome, 14 new adventures suitable for levels 1 to 8, playable separately or in sequence. Um, So a background plot surrounding thread of fabled items. The Shadow Grimoire, which ties the adventure together. Lots of maps and dozens of illustrations. So, um, that's cool. So I guess it would be like for like a shadow focused campaign and they have the tools to do it. So starting from probably level one, might be fun to do. Quite a few adventures. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, fourteen. Hmm. Nice. From first to eighth level. That's good. That looks pretty cool. I mean, I'm always, I'm always uh, happy with Kobold Press's offerings. I definitely would like to run a campaign in Midgard, uh, whether it's um, actually the one I'd love to run is Empire of the Ghouls, but I have Scarlet uh, Citadel as well. Uh, stuff in the Southlands. I'm a subscriber to their Patreon so they come out with this zine, a uh, warlock zine that is published, I would say bi- bi-monthly. I think it's a bi-monthly publication and then you get they give you lots of little warlock adventures and tales. of so, so much material for Midgard and now I got more. Tales from the Shadows and the Book of Eventides. Wow, that's a 20 minutes of unboxings plus 20 minutes So I apologize, but uh, hey, you can skip over this, and then that we'll get on to the rest of the show uh, and respond to some call-ins. Carry on my wayward son There'll be peace when you are done Lay your weary head to rest Don't you cry no more
1: Hey, Carl, Jason here. Listen to a plethora of call-ins and I just finished a recap of Star Frontiers. Yeah, you know, I think it worked fine. I like the system personally. It's been so many years since I even looked at it, and I didn't relook at it before we played. But you know, it's deep percentile, it runs really easily. It, it's intuitive. I like the way the experience points are used to increase your stats and your skills. And yeah, it's I, I enjoyed it. I would definitely be happy to try to hop in another game of it. As far as the character sheet and the VTT I thought the VTT was fine I, I like that we were doing a little more theater of the mind and so everything being especially since we weren't we weren't doing exploration with hexes or not hexes we weren't doing exploration where everybody is moving each square right like individually and then you're worried about oh no so and so has gone this far and you haven't moved yet so kudos to you for running it I thought you ran it fine Oh, as far as the character sheet goes, yeah, you know, I thought it went smoother when we just rolled, just used the die roller and, and, and rolled a straight percentile as opposed to messing of the character sheet. Not because you had it set up wrong, but because the character sheet has like three or four prompts, well, it's like three prompts that come up. So you click to roll a die, and then it pops up and asks a question, pops up and asks another question, pops up and asks another question. And it's faster just to roll, you know, click roll percentile dice and do all that in your head. That's one of the reasons with my Barbarians Lemoria's game now, I've gotten away from using roll 20, or at least the die roll and roll 20, because it does the same thing. The character sheets for Barbarians Lemoria have at least two pop-ups whenever you click the button, and it just slows it down when it's a lot faster just to do the math. So, I, I mean, it was fine. I thought you did a fine job. I wouldn't fuss over the character sheet and Honestly, if, if everybody wrote down their bonus, had everything written down right, or you had a character sheet that just showed the bonuses and all right, then I think you could get rid of all the you clicking on the character sheet shit, and, and just roll dice and be done with it. You know, and you, it, you we could roll the electronic dice or roll twenty, but it'll be faster than fiddling with. Okay, what do I input in this field? What do I input in this field? What's this field? You you know what I mean? That that just and that adds the board gameiness of VTT, which is what I don't like, but I had a heck of a lot of fun I thought it went fine, and I thought you did a great job, and I'll say this, the part where the creature wasn't eating the dummy, because you kept rolling very high rolls, including 100 one time, you know, 00 double zero one time the, honestly so some people could look at that as like oh, that's BS, Carl's a bad GM he just should have had to eat the dummy but the other way to look at it is, you know, maybe this thing is to interpret the die rolls. Maybe this thing's smarter than it looks and it's nosing around and, you know, it chomped on the arm and it chomped on this. But it, you know, it senses something isn't right, so it's kind of fiddling with them, and playing with it. But, so I think if we just interpret the die rolls instead of deciding ahead of time what that means, then it all actually works out perfectly fine and makes sense. Like I said, I thought you did a great job. Happy to play in it when we can all get together again, and let me l- listen to the rest of the episode.
0: Hey, Jason, thank you for the call. I thought the game went well. That you're right. The only kind of snafus were a couple times where the um, the character sheet wasn't working as intended, and then all the prompts, right? So just to let people know, when you you could enter everything and then hit a combat, a single combat button after you put on a separate page, the weapon that you were using. And this is really only in combat that this happened, and for healing. Um, and then you'd have a something, a little message pop up, what's your target. And the the only re the only thing the target was really used for, because it didn't doesn't subtract any hit points or anything when you do damage, like you would see in fantasy grounds, is to give you like what you hit in the little macro that comes out. Um, when you result, when the algorithms resolve the attack. So then you click on the token that you're attacking and then it says, okay, is there a, to hit modifier, is there a damage modifier? And then you enter all those and then it does its thing and it tells you if you hit or not based on comparison with the percentile dice and then does the damage if you hit or not. Um, So it's a cool little macro, but it can be cumbersome. And then sometimes the, some of the, prompts get hidden behind like a one tab out or whatever so yeah that was the only thing that i felt was off about it and you're right you could just look at your percentage you know add in your modifiers in your head roll the percentile dice and go oh yeah i got under there and then roll damage you could do it manually which was no problem just by referencing your character sheet or or even you know if you found a new weapon like how much it did like when you guys come spears uh, which was kind of cool and yeah, thanks for for backing me up on like what happened with the the monster where it didn't want to eat or it didn't eat the. It was a cool idea, but it just didn't work, you know. And then I don't know. I guess I would have had it roll stamina to see if it had uh, when it ingested that stuff. It would have worked, um, but but it was it was fine all the same. Um, kind of cool the way it ended, I thought. So. So there we go, you know, it um yeah, and I'd definitely want to would like to continue. I don't know if we ever get a chance to. It's like one of those backup games that we have or a game that we'll play occasionally. Like we still got to get back and finish um Amy's birthday game at some point when our schedules sync. And I think it's gone well so far. I'm so far behind on and we recorded it and it sounds pretty cool, but it's kind of far behind on on going through that. Now I Definitely empathize with Andy Goodman and trying to parse through and edit out all the stuff on the on the Grizzly Peaks Radio that he does because that's that's a mess. But uh, one of these days we'll get to finish that and finish these other things. Um, so so thanks for playing and I I had a great time and I don't I think the system has is done well. It's actually it's actually kind of. I I don't know, maybe it doesn't have all the details from a modern game, but it's pretty simple and it's design and philosophy and you don't have a lot. I mean, I guess you could expand it by the types of weapons that you might have. And I'm sure they do that. Like, like in the module, I'm sure they have new equipment and new weapons that they add to the, to the list and definitely new monsters. Right. So, um, so it's kind of goes back to that idea and like old school, you have the basic stuff in the rule book. And then as you progress through the modules that, You have like add ons for monsters and equipment, maybe a rules here and rules stuff here and there. Um, So, yeah, I mean, uh, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't too hard to figure out, again, some spot rules for certain things. Um, But uh, pretty fun to play, and I hope we can uh, play again.
1: As far as Palladium Fantasy goes, yeah, definitely. And the cool thing is you know there's some great classes in there so depending what you want to do if you pick what you pick your species before you roll your stats so if you want to be a woven you're a woven and let's be honest a witch needs what like a five intelligence or something so no matter what you roll you're gonna to qualify to be a witch so worst case scenario you could be a witch and raise those things you know what I mean if you don't qualify to be a different kind of caster but the ca- most of the casters don't have really terribly high stat requirements I don't think so you should be okay we'll, we'll get together and figure it out uh, it's unfortunately since I'm going to run that first adventure the arms of um, we're not going to start in the northern wilderlands like we thought we were we're actually going to be down the kingdom but that's okay because that's you, you can still have a woven down there it doesn't matter and, and you'll be able to still have that character so it's all good. Um, yeah. So let me get back to your show.
0: Hey, Jason. Thank you for that clarification. I am now Morks. I was kind of kind of like, oh, man, I want to play a Wolven, and I hope I got I can qualify to play what I want to play. And I was inspired by that Keith Parkinson cover, and it would be neat to play some sort of Woven caster. And now you say it's kind of easy to qualify, so I doubt I'll be able to raise the dead right away. But um but I'm getting excited for this game. I really hope we can uh, get it done and add it to that that pop-up list of uh, one-shots that we're getting to do. Maybe you're converting me. Maybe doing one-shot or one adventure and then move on to the next thing is okay. And I don't have to get all concerned and and anxious about not having a campaign or a mini campaign. So um, it could be kind of fun. Maybe it's fun to be a player once in a while too. Although, you know, I... I you know, I'm very cheesy about my GMs. I don't know why, um, but I am. So anyway, thank you for the call and uh, we'll get on to the next caller, which is Joe Salvador.
2: hey carl it's joe um hey man i uh sorry for this um belated call in uh you know with the anchor apocalypse raining fire down everywhere across the globe uh, i had to kind of jump through hoops and get onto anchor to figure out how to how to call you but um here i am Uh, i just want to say that uh i don't know if i i don't remember calling about um about ascold but i thought it was a great recap of ascold and i think you touched on some things there um yeah i'm really happy with in, in the game I, I really like how characters can be very differentiated like you know if one place one person is playing a fighter that fighter's not going to be like you know every other fighter right um with the the way the classes and the um the careers work out uh yeah i think there's a lot of a lot of character choices to be made there um and then when i saw your parkinson cover up there I get real excited because that's really one of my favorite images. Um, oh, I got cut off there. Um, yeah, that Parkinson cover is just amazing to me. And like you said, there's not a whole lot going on in it. Um, but it's really stuck with me. Like, I don't know, it must have influenced my, my child mind. Uh, but the realism is in it and the lack of, like, obvious magic or monsters or whatever. I don't know. I think that informed my, yeah, probably informed some of my, like, current opinions on fantasy and sword and sorcery but yeah really great pick um that third edition book like you said absolutely amazing like i have it and i keep thinking yeah i'm never going to use this again i should probably get rid of it and then i open it and i'm like it's a really great looking book um yeah just as a setting book it's it's top quality um yeah and night below yeah i'm really interested in, in in that scenario uh keep us posted anyway uh great episodes brother i'll talk to you later
0: Hey, Joe, thank you for the calls. I do love playing Askold. Sometimes I'm maybe not as into it as I could be, but uh, when I'm in, I'm in. I really enjoy it. I do enjoy the system. I hope it comes out sooner than later uh, so we can see some Reaver and buy some Reaver and do a Kickstarter for Reaver. Um, Yeah, I know that you have a really good artist lined up, so let us know. Um, I, I thought we talked about maybe having portraits of these like iconics that we're using in the playtest, i think it'd be kind of fun to have like portraits commissioned and i definitely would love to help with that and um yeah i I mean forgotten realms i mean don't throw your stuff away i'm thinking in the back of my head maybe a one shot maybe like a one adventure thing let's dive back into forgotten realms using 3.5 or pathfinder um yeah, I, I kind of just like a, what, a few things that Pathfinder does. If you have like a Barbarian or Paladin or Bard, and I love the channeling mechanic better than three, what 3-5 three does. So I would have to go through an adventure. And, and there's there's this one adventure that I remember that's really cool where you fight uh, the hated Zentarim. I think it's called something... Raiders of Something Roost. Anyway, but uh, it's a really cool introductory adventure takes place in the dale lands and um I've always wanted to run it. I think I've run it like I think i run it before and maybe the players were kind of a little had some trepidation because it reminded them of a similar scene or or a problem that occurred in the forge of fury um where they got pretty messed up. So yeah, they kind of held off and maybe we didn't run it or maybe we, something happened anyway. But there's some really, really neat adventures in the dungeon magazine that could be done as one shots in various locations in the realms. Um, Or even like the some of the like N, I think N1 or N2, the needle or some other one or the the doom that came to Daggerdale or something like that, where they're like first level adventures that take place in the realms. It'd be fun to do like a, a one shot of those either in the 2E or uh, or Forgotten Realms, uh, using the 3.0, 3.5 uh, book and switching it to like Pathfinder 1 or something. Probably converting to Pathfinder 2 is a little more challenging, but but definitely doable for Pathfinder 1. And I thought I had a really great idea, one of the adventures that I'd love to run. What's it called? I think it's called something of the Spider Queen, and it's this like underdark adventure that is for higher level characters and I wanted to run it. And I did run like the first few encounters I did. I was going to do it in two directions. I was going to have like an under dark focus group and an above ground focus group and see what happened. And uh, I was able to only get a few encounters in on the above, above ground group. And on the below ground group, they were trying to break out of a prison. And I think, I think they got to a point where it's just, I don't know if they were able to get out, but anyway, I was like looking through some of the transcripts as all play by post on, on hero central a long time ago, but it'd be kind of neat to have like, to try to recapitulate that, um, and have an underground group or an above ground group, or have a group break out of, of, out of a prison in the underdark. Um, I I know there's a 5e product out of the abyss that kind of does that. And we actually ran the breakout. But that's as far as we got, and we never got to continue it. But I have that product too, which is kind of neat, and it, I think it normally does take place in the realm, so that'd be a fun campaign to run as well. Anyway, thanks for the call and helping me, uh, inspiring me to walk down memory lane. Thank you for running Reaver and help me including me in the development. And I'll talk to you later.
3: Okay, I think that'll be all for now. Thank you for listening. Thank you for my call-ins, caller-ins. Joe Salvador, and Jason Connerly. Hey, you can still get to me. Uh, I do get notifications if you use a web browser to leave a message through Anchor. You can also send me a voice recorder message at thegeomologist at gmail.com or PM me through the various Discords. I have not set up a Google number or a snapper, chatter, speak pipey thing, Um, but uh, maybe I'll do that in the future if I... have a dearth of messages but i think i get plenty now um thank you tj drennan for the intro and outro music uh, thank you uh amy for the clip art she normally does it but i think this time i am going to um, have a picture of the things that i unboxed um so uh all right thanks for listening take care i'll talk to you soon